0: Hallelujah. Well, if you'll take a seat and open your Bibles with me today. Hallelujah. Somebody remind me to take the offering at the end. Hallelujah, or you'll be getting a due notice. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 1 through 2. We have been talking about transition. 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 In Luke 4, 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil, not just three days at the end, 40 days, every day, every moment, tempted, plagued, vexed by the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And it goes on to say, and the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God. The word transition means this, to change from one position to another. It means to cross over. It means to go through something. It means to change over, or it means to allow the process of evolution to take place. It means spiritual development. As Christians, we would use these words. I'm going through a new season. I'm looking for a new anointing. I want a new mantle. We're going from glory to glory. I'm stepping into my call. I'm discovering my gift. We would use all of those words in our Christian vernacular, our language. But nevertheless, it is a transition. Jesus is the Son of God. There's no question who he is. The devil tries to get him to question that. But God, him being full of the Holy Ghost, is led of the Spirit into the wilderness. This is a place of transition. Jesus goes as being known as by John the uh, Baptist, he is the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. But to all of those that are around him, he is the son of Joseph, he is the son of Mary. They have never yet seen him, Jesus has never declared his identity until after he returns through this transition. As he goes through this transition, he comes back in 40 days and in verse 14, Luke four fourteen, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him throughout all the region and round about. In other words, Now, Jesus is stepping into the place of being known as a man that does something. He creates a reputation. And it says this, and he taught in their synagogues and being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, Jesus went to church. Ah, Don't you wish to God you would? Moving right along. All right, moving right along. Hallelujah, boy, get on my pet peeve here. Hallelujah. As his custom was, and he went into the synagogue and on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Amazing, Jesus didn't just attend church, he was involved in it. Just a thought. And there was delivered unto him the book of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister and sat down and in the synagogue and there were in the synagogues where all the eyes were fastened upon him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Was it fulfilled any other time besides that? No. No. Why? The Spirit of the Lord wasn't up on him. He had not been anointed for his call, his purpose, or his destiny. He had not been, as it were, positioned to do what god had called him to do he'd been alive for 30 years he grew in grace and wisdom understanding of the scriptures but there's a difference of being raised under the wisdom of the scriptures the grace of the scriptures and having god's hand upon you for an appointed purpose now we see that jesus is led by the spirit now one of the things that we talked about is this is that if we are going to ever be anything other than what we are right now, we are going to go through transitional periods. Transitional periods don't make any sense. They have nothing to do with ration. They have nothing to do with reason. They have nothing to do with your plans and your purposes. They have nothing to do with quote unquote in church world today, status quo. They have everything to do with people that desire more of God and so here we're going to talk about transitions. transition is an invitation from God to join him in what he is doing or what he is about to do let me say that again transition is an invitation of God Jesus did not have to go to the wilderness many people have been invited very few people go many are called fewer chosen there are many people that will hear but there's only a remnant that are going to be saved there's always a low percentage of people that are sold out to god and there's always a high percentage of people that acquaint their self or associate themselves with god and we want to be of the lower number amen, amen. amen. now it Now, so God gives us an invitation. When God calls us, he's not just trying to spend your time. He's not just trying to use up time. He is calling you for a purpose. Amen. That purpose is for transition. Now, God calls us into these places so that we will be enabled. Somebody say enabled. Enabled. Enabled by the Holy Ghost with gifts, anointings for the work of that is ahead. If we don't go through transition, you'll always be the person you were if you do not go through the time that God wants to work on you. Amen? And understand that God is trying to position us not to hurt us, He's trying to position us to promote us. Transition always precedes promotion, it always precedes the declaration He has been found faithful. It always proceeds. he's been faithful over little, he'll be faithful, I'll make him ruler over much. It always precedes the hand of God working on your behalf and you working with God. If these places of transition are not accepted, are not adhered to, then what God does is remember there are 20, 30, 40, 60, 70, 80% Christians. God loves you. But if you want to be 20%, you get to be 20%. No, no big deal. You, you get to be 20%. You want to be 30%, you get to be 30%. But I don't know about you, I want to be 100%. I want to be all that God wants me to be. These transition times bring us into contact with God in the most unlikely places jesus runs into god in the middle of the desert well why didn't god meet him in the synagogue it wasn't jesus's choice it's god's he knows what you need he knows what you need to be separated from he knows the condition that you're going to respond to he knows the depths that he needs to shed light upon he knows the hidden places of your heart he knows what you are protecting. He knows what you're afraid to give up. So you have to give in to God's wisdom and his counsel over your own reason and rhyme. Could I get an amen? And so Jesus goes to the wilderness and he runs in to God, and God does something. He anoints him. He anoints him with power and with the Holy Ghost, and he returns. And he sets free all those that were oppressed of the devil. Could Jesus have done that before he went to the wilderness? Absolutely not. No. Now, in this place of transition, you're going to find out your identity in God. Oh, I know who I am in God. Well, I know that you have read who you are in God. But unless we live it, there is really no faith in what you have discovered. Let me say this to you one more time. If you read a scripture and you don't live it or you don't get results of it, there has been no transfusion of faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now you have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But all knowledge does not bring faith. It's a truth. If, that was the, if, it, if it wasn't the truth, Christians, I don't know how many Christians tell me they read the Bible through every year. I've never read it through once. I, I, do, do you have to? I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know if Jesus read it through once. I, I don't know. I know he knew what God had said to him. He found out what God had said to him. And evidently that was a premise of establishing his identity in the wilderness instead of him returning as the son of Joseph and of Mary. Amen. He said, "This day is the scripture fulfilled. Now now I don't know about you, that's pretty bold. I am who Isaiah said, I am." And of course, what was their response? Show us a miracle that we may believe. He lived the life of miracles, proving that he was identified with isaiah 61 jesus's identity was established in the places of transition why because if god doesn't change you from where you are to another dimension of glory if he doesn't allow a mantle to fall upon you if you are not anointed for a purpose then what you're going to do is you're always going to be who you are right now. And who you are right now does not qualify you where God wants to promote you for and get you involved in what God wants to do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so transition. Let's go to Acts, the 12th chapter, and verse 24. Acts 12, 24. Now, this is talking a story about Paul and Barnabas and they have already been out preaching the gospel but for some reason directed by the holy ghost they go to jerusalem and they submit themselves to the teachers and the prophets that have been established and identified in the house at jerusalem the church which james seems to be the head of not peter james james calls the shots for doctrines what they should preach where they should preach them, and what they should be doing. Peter is not involved in that. James is the head of the church at Jerusalem. And so they submit themselves to the authority and the headship of uh, James. Why? Because there needs to be a transition. God has something greater for Paul and Barnabas. And it says in 1224, let me find it here. And it says, uh, "What did I say? Twelve twenty-four. Yeah, there it is. Ah, oh, there it is. But the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now there were in verse thirteen, chapter thirteen, in the church there were at Antioch." certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius, and Cyrene, and Manin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Paul, for the work, for the work, were they prepared before this time of transition? No. Or they would never have been there. There was something that was needed during this time. So it says, Separate me for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And so they, being sent forth of the Holy Ghost, departed into and went from Cyrus and sailed to Cyprus and when they were to yeah Syria, wow, and they preached the word of God and in the synagogues of the Jews and they had also John to their minister. Now, again were they prepared? Not until the time of transition. Somebody say not until that time. So there are times even though you may be doing something that You are going to have to withdraw yourself and you're going to have to allow God to do something in your life to get you to the place that you become identified again with God. Now let's go to 1 Timothy 4 14 and 15. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. Remember, God calls us or invites us to these places of Transition. He does this so that he can do a work on us. Remember that it's God who worketh in us, doing, performing, transforming, and changing us so that his will is accomplished in our life. Philippians 2.13. So we have to allow God to do the work. We must never come to the place that we are the work of our own hands. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them and that thy profiting may appear unto all. Now, there was a transitional time that Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He followed him. But there also came a time as he followed Paul. he was in a transition. When it came time, just as Paul and Barnabas had hands laid on them, Timothy has hands laid on him. What transpires? a supernatural infusion of a prophetic nature? Could it get an amen? So we have to understand that God has things for us, that we have not a, a Arrive to or that we're not going to get there until we set time apart to be with God Could again an amen. Absolutely. Let's go to Matthew 4 18 through 22 I'm just trying to bring out that there are different things that happen in these times of transition when God calls you away Be obedient now one of the reasons that people resist being called away is They are low on the Holy Ghost the Bible says Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost full of the Holy Ghost somebody say full some of us haven't been full since we got touched by God because we never replenish it we just think oh I got the Holy Ghost well I know that but the Bible tells us in Acts the fourth chapter that even though they were filled with the Holy Ghost they lifted up their hand and they asked God God stretch forth your hand to do signs and wonders And as they prayed that, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. See, there are many fillings of the Holy Ghost. But if we do not keep ourselves filled with the Holy Ghost, you can get drained. And let me tell you something. People that are filled with the Holy Ghost, don't get weary. Don't get discouraged. Don't get downcast. Now, I don't say this in a mean way. But you know what? Someday, you build a house... It's going to have to live without the braces being stuck in the yard. And have you ever seen somebody building a barn or a house? They got these stakes out in the yard holding it up. But pretty soon they take those stakes out and the house stands. Could again, amen. amen. You know, sometimes you're going to have to quit leaning on everybody else to keep you safe. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't matter if everybody else backslides. I'm going to heaven. I told fellas when I got saved, you go to hell, you'll go by yourself. I am not coming. I'm not coming. Don't, don't matter what you offer me, don't matter what the, I'm not going. I just choose, I just don't want to be lukewarm. I, I don't want to be downcast. I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be joyless. I don't want to be weary. Amen. Just stay full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't have time. Well, you got time to get discouraged. You got time to hear from the devil. You got time to to lose your joy. You got time to lose your zeal. You got time for your fire to go out. You got time to get what don't tell me you don't have time. Tell me that you just choose, you don't care whether you're hot or cold. Now that I believe. But you know what? People, listen, please, you gotta work out your own salvation. This is your heaven or hell. It ain't my heaven or hell, it's your heaven or hell you get a go you got one thing you lay aside the weight and the sins that so do so easily beset you it's not my job to keep you saved amen. could it get an amen? amen somebody act like it's everybody else's job to keep them safe no it's your job amen. stay encouraged edify yourself you got the Holy Ghost you could pray in tongue yeah but you know sometimes I just get sometimes I get bored then be discouraged but the Bible says you pray in tongue you edify yourself Amen. build yourself up hallelujah Amen. don't I just get you Lord Jesus I get hired of people trying to just drag their self like a, a two-legged dog to a dog race through Christianity. When when you're downcast more than you're lifted up, there's something wrong with your Holy Ghost level. Amen. Could it get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. So get full of the Holy Ghost and stay there. Amen. Well, how will I know when you're full? People will tell you, you're extreme. That means you're full. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. But when people are around you and all you're doing down in the mully grub talking about how bad things duh, 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 duh. come on, please. That's not what Christianity is about. Come on, get filled with the Holy Ghost so that when God calls you, you can respond. Amen. You get filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to fight with reasonable resistance. You don't have to fight with priorities you don't have to fight well I got this to do all oh, I'd like to fast but you know man I, I, I got this and I got that and I got no you don't want to fast amen. well I, I'd like to pray but I just don't have time to pray but you're fishing you got time to pray come on, come on don't first thing don't be a liar don't lie to yourself just say self you're so lazy you don't want to do nothing for Jesus amen Hallelujah. So, so let's just do that. In Jesus, I'm sorry, let's get back to the message. Walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw a brother, Simon, called Peter. Oh, hallelujah, Peter. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he saw, and he said unto them, hey, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, notice what Jesus said. He said, follow me. And I will make you he doesn't make you before you start something That's right. Jesus invited them to a life of transition Amen. and in that life of transition was not always a bed of roses They ran out of money and tax money Jesus rebuked them. They had lousy attitudes they made agreements that they couldn't fulfill oh i'll never deny you i'll i'll die with you liar liar pants on fire look look they they had all kinds of problems jesus taught them to pray he taught them to fast he taught them parable. what was he doing he was taking them through transition and what does jesus then declare to peter thou art peter but i say that you are going to be the rock because of this revelation that I will build my church on. He transformed his name, his identities were changed. Other people recognize, oh, you gotta be a follower of his. Your talk is just like his. Amen. So they went through transition and they were changed. It's not always easy, but because it does require rebukes, chastening, upgirdings, instructions with all long suffering, but we are supposed to go through them. Could I get an amen? amen. Absolutely. Now, they, in these times of transitions, we may see dreams, we may have visions, we may hear instructions, but in these times, God is preparing us for an assignment, an assignment, a divine assignment. God says, come out here. We go through a time of preparation. Then God reveals to us our assignment. Now, the bad thing about it is lots of people don't answer because they're just low on the Holy Ghost. They just, they just don't, I don't. I don't know. They're just low. I don't know. They're just low. And then the second thing is they, they're not prepared. See, God's not going to lift you up just like we are commanded not to lift up a novice. Why would God lift you up knowing that you were not going to stand? He won't do it. See, these times of transition are times of proving. Are you going to do what's required? Are you going to pay the cost? I know that's a, a foreign word to most of the church today. Pay a cost? You mean it cost me something? Yeah. Well, salvation is free. Absolutely it is. But it costs you your life to have it. Yeah, don't, it's not free. It, it's free for the provision, but it costs you your life to have. If you aren't going to pick up your cross, don't get saved. If you aren't going to follow him, don't get saved. If you aren't going to give it all up, don't get saved. Save yourself problems. It's better to never have known him than to have known him and left him. If you aren't going the full way, you can't build the house, you can't fight the fight, just don't get in it. Amen. Amen. And so salvation is free. Jesus died for But it costs you everything. It'll cost you loving your mother and father over Jesus. Amen. It'll cost you your brothers and sisters. It'll cost you your friends. It'll cost you the life that you've been living. It'll cost you your mannerisms. It'll cost you your habits. It'll cost you your addiction. It'll cost you your morals, uh, loose moral fibers. It'll cost you everything to become like him. Amen. But it's worth it. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So, we understand this, that Jesus calls us, and in these times, he prepares us, and he gives us an assignment. And when we get an assignment, guess what? Then we become bound to something. Remember, my people perish without a vision. People do not find who they are and what they're supposed to do because we don't go through transitions. Remember, transitions are not promised to be easy, but it does require that you follow him. Amen, Amen. all right. Now let's go to Joshua five, and let's look at verse two through nine. Joshua five. These are times of transition. These are times that God is removing things of our life because the Bible does say in Hebrews 12, That without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Somebody say, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Hallelujah. Holiness is a requirement. And when we go in through these times of transitions, we like David, David cried out, God cleanse me from hidden sins. You know, we all have things that have to be dug out of us. You may not realize them or recognize them right now because you may not be equipped to deal with them. The worst thing I ever prayed to God was, God, show me what I really look like. I came out of there, I said, God, I'm a sinner. He said, No, you're a righteous man with a lot of problems. <laughs> okay but God had to work on me. God had to transform me. I had to go through transitions because those transitions, when we put the old man off and put on the new man, Joshua five, two. And at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, make these sharp knives. Oh God, you know, that ain't good. And circumcise again, the children of Israel, the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives. And circumcise the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Oh, what a name. Boy, about time somebody said to me, Hey, let's go over there to the hill of foreskins, I'd say, I'll meet you later. Anyway, <laughs> and it says, This and this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt and all the people that came out were un, were circumcised but all the people that were born in the wilderness wow what a great thing by the way as they came forth out of Egypt them they had not circumcised and the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness and all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swear that he would not show them the land which the Lord had swear unto our father that he would not give us a land that that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass that when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their place in the camp until they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. And the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Now, that word uh, reproach means to spend or winter or harvest. What it really means is to end a season. To end a season. Wow. In other words, God rolled away or ended the season of winter in the lives of Israel. And then that word Gilgal means a wheel or a rolling forward. In other words, it means the starting of a progressive move. Once you get a wheel started, it starts moving. Until the wheel starts, it's stopped. It's as if whoever is born in this transition time, they're getting ready to go from the wilderness, they have just crossed over, now they're going to be circumcised. Why? because God needs to deal with that old man, circumcision. Romans 2:29 tells us that it's a circumcision of the heart that makes us a new man. Now, remember God says that which is born in the wilderness. Remember, we just talked about your identity being born in the wilderness. Jesus went in as Joseph and Mary's son. He comes out as the son of God, the son of man, anointed of the Lord with power, with the Holy Ghost, appointed to go about healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, recovering of the sight, healing the bruised and the brokenhearted. What is it? He's got a new identity. Where was that identity born? In the wilderness. Wasn't Jesus circumcised, known out of those? Where did Joseph and Mary come from? Somebody say, "Out out of Egypt. Could I get an amen? Jesus had been to Egypt until Herod dies. He comes back from Egypt. So he's been raised in Egypt. Now he comes, and guess what? He has moved out into the transition. And guess what is cut off of him, as it were, the old man, the Joseph and Mary son. And now he is seen as a new headship. He is seen as the Lord of all, the Son of God, the Son of man. I get an amen Amen. the Messiah hallelujah all right now that same thing happens to you and I we go in and when we are in these times of transition guess what we begin to get a new identity but in order to have a new identity we have to be circumcised we have to have old things taken off of us we have to have old things removed from us so that whenever people look at us they see us as people of covenant Amen. amen Our identity is not questioned. It is established because of the places of transition. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. Now, when they go out, no matter where they go, it is a sign that they are the people of God. Amen. So we understand that when we come out of transition, there is a work that God is doing he is circumcising things from our life he is cutting things away so that there can rise up a new lordship a new headship a new identity that has never been known before and that identity and that individual is anointed and appointed to take that which god has prophesied for them to possess come on somebody hallelujah praise god now we see these things taking place these could be known as things that god removes things but he writes things upon our heart now the reason that god writes things upon our heart because people with new identities think differently joseph and mary's son jesus thought about tables the son of the living god thought about healing the sick freeing the oppressed setting the bound free and going to Calvary for salvation. His mind was different, why? Because God had written something on his heart other than carpentry plans in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Let's go to Titus 1, 13 through 16. So you see the corresponding things that take place there god crosses them over but they're standing on the land and until they go through this circumcision through this time of transition they cannot move on into the land of canaan even though it's god's will this witness is true wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith not giving heed to jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth And unto the pure, all things are pure, unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable uh, and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Reprobate. Now, all of these things are in an individual. And so, God, when he takes us through these times of transition, God does Hebrews 10, 15, 16, 17, 18, just like he wrote upon the Ten Commandments for Moses, he writes upon the heart. God says, in those days, I will erase their iniquities, their transgressions, and I will write my law, my convictions, my purposes for their life, my rights my wrongs my boundaries for that individual upon their heart and they shall be my people and they shall be my god so when god circumcises us when god cuts us off what does he do he doesn't leave us without headship he doesn't leave us without leadership he doesn't leave us without identity he gives us a new identity And every identity, just like Jesus came and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That is a new identity. Jesus has had something written on his heart. He has had an encounter with God in this time of transition. Now, when we meet God in these times of transition, God changes our identity, but when he changes our identity, he changes our boundaries Our values, our priorities, and our convictions. Dr. Obalu, you were single once, right? I'm presuming that. Did you take many women out? Uh, One one or two. One or two. Good (laughs) Lord, what was you a mama's boy or what? You you took one or two out. Since you've been married, how many you took out? There you go. Why? His identity has changed. His defining lines, his responses, his convictions have changed. A woman came up to me one time. I was pumping gas and the wind was blowing this way. And she was standing over there and she said, man, you smell good. And I said, my wife bought me this clone. Now, who in the world smells downwind? when I'm pumping gas. Some way my lightning mind caught, this is not God. One time a lady walked by me and Eric, she reached over me, she said, oh, I love your shirt. And I looked at Eric and I said, we bought this in Africa, didn't we? And she said, oh, then I thought, Eric, I think she thinks that we're gay. <laughs> we bought, the, didn't we buy this shirt in Africa, sweetheart? It worked, yeah. I mean, it did work, but I hate that that woman thinks that, but man, I, I don't guess I really do care if she hates like it or not. But all you gotta do now is "But well, I'm married. I got five kids. I got a mortgage. I drive a beat up one Honda. It just keeps humming and I just keep driving. I, I don't have anything. Do you still wanna go out? No, no. As soon as you become identified as something else, everybody's perception about you changes, your convictions change, your boundaries change, amen, your priorities change, your value change. Could I get an amen? Okay, when you are in these times of transition and God circumcises our hearts, he cuts off that old man, all of these things are being established And all of these things are being set in motion. John 15, 1 through 5, I'll just quote it. Jesus said that those that bear fruit, God prunes. In other words, God's always changing our identities. He visits our lives as he would a vineyard. And when he sees us being productive, that's who he calls into transition again. Amen. And then we also know in John 2, 13 through 17 is that Jesus came down and he looked at the temple and it was filled with money changers and all types of people. And what did he do? He makes a cord and drives them from it. What did he do? He cleanses something to establish the identity of something. Now, now I know that most of us, oh, I don't have anything wrong in my life. Right, right, right. And this is a Buddhist temple. (laughs) Sir, you're you're perfect in your own eyes. Hallelujah. Now, why doesn't everybody answer this glorious call? Because the invitation is worth the response. You may not think it is, but it is. The first thing is because of cost. Because of cost It's going to cost you Something to go through transition Preparation And assignment It costs you something Let's go to Mark 10, 17. Mark 10 17 Remember what Jesus told the disciples Follow me And they left it all They left it all They left it all They left It all they left it all. There was a lady that came to church one time. She stopped Phil and she said, "Would you pray for my boyfriend to come come back and our, our relationship be healed?" Phil said, "Are you sleeping with him?" She said, "Yes." Phil said, "Absolutely not." The woman started screaming, and you call yourself a Christian? You said, "No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not calling myself a Christian. I'm calling you a whore. Uh, uh, I'm calling you." Somebody needs to be saved. I would have wanted to use my vernacular. Then you say, Oh, you just can't talk to people like that. I know it, you generation of vipers. You're your father, and he was a murderer, and so are you. You're a liar, and he was from the beginning. I don't think most of us could have run around with Jesus for three days because we would think he was an imposter. You ask people to live right. Don't you know they can't? Well, they could if they would trust in me because the power of the Holy Ghost that raised me from the dead lives in their body, and he will mortify that deeds of the body. Amen. See, we have such a perverted picture of Jesus. We have allowed the world, Hollywood, and I'm going to be preaching maybe next week, About the seven Foundations Of the kingdoms That Satan offered Jesus And he showed him the kingdoms Of the world There are seven dimensions of the kingdoms Of the world That the church is supposed to inherit Yet they're being dominated From them You know I heard the other day Statistic, do you know who controls All of the movies that come out of Hollywood And all of the and all of the filmmaking, less than 200 people. 200 people are perverting a whole nation. In fact, the world. India had almost zero divorce until westernized television came in and then divorce skyrocketed and gave birth to a dimension they can't stop. 200 men. 200 identities in Hollywood dictate In fact, some of them are priests and preachers that determine what is our and what is not. So they think so much cussing is okay. Listen, these these are the foundations and pillars of the kingdoms that he offered Jesus. Jesus turned him down and he said, "And, and the glory... That is in them. Uh, we're going to be talking about all that in the next coming couple of weeks. All right. Now, where are we here? We're in Mark 10. Seven, yeah, it says it. And when he was going forth into the way, there came one running unto him and kneeling. And he asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Stop right there. He knows heaven and hell is real. He knows he's gone somewhere. He knows he's not ready. He knows that if he dies, he's not going to see God. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Would be to God that was everybody's priority. Amen? Then, now, next verse. And it says, and Jesus said to him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Well, I thought the Ten Commandments were done away with. (laughs) Who told you that? All right, only those that, never mind. Defraud not, honor thy mother and thy father, grandparents too. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And he said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in the heaven and come and take up thy two things have no value in anything and do what God called you to do and follow me next verse and he was sad at that saying and went away grievous for he had great possessions great possessions now Go to verse 23, and then we're going to jump down to 27. And Jesus looked around him and said to him, his disciples, How hardly can they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God because of false places of security? 1 Timothy 6, 10. Now, go down to verse 27. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And Peter began to say unto him, Lo, hey, we have left all to follow thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left home, or house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or land, for my sake and the gospels, that he shall not receive an hundredfold Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution that in the world to come eternal what? Life. Next verse. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. And they went in the way going up. Jesus answered and answered Jesus went before them. And they were amazed, and as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. And saying, Behold, we go up into Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Now, what did Jesus require of that man for eternal life? Was it different than it is today? No, no. no. It cost you the same. Cost you the same. Well, I thought I didn't have to give up nothing. You've been lied to. Amen. Well, I, I just thought that, you know, it's just by grace. No matter what happens, God paid for sins past and present and future. Somebody lied to you. Well, well, I thought I could just live whatever in whatever slots I had. Put Jesus in it. Somebody lied to you. You can't be saved unless you give everything up. And then pick up your cross and follow him. You can't have half a salvation by giving it all up. You can only have all of your salvation by giving it all up and then taking your cross. The cross goes up and down from God to you. But when you carry your cross, it goes from you to the earth. Now, we are commanded to give it all up. Oh, well, I don't know, then I'm ready. Do you want eternal life? I'm just asking. You don't look, I want you to come here, whether you go to hell or to heaven. And I want you to be a tither. Because I'm going to use your money to win people to Jesus. You mean you take money from sinners? Yeah, all day long. All day long, absolutely all day long. How about a lottery winner? Yes, all day long. I'd stay up at night counting the money. Yes, absolutely. i will take anything that you give me for the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, I'm asking you the question, would you give it all up in order to pick up your cross and follow him? These are transitional times. This man had done all of the commandments, but he was ready to be transitioned. And Jesus tells him, give it all away. Take up your cross and follow me. He couldn't go through the transition. So Jesus wants to take us through these transitional periods. Go ahead, lick your hand and say, oh, praise God. All right. Now, go to Philippians 3.7. seven. Won't you be glad when this segment is over hallelujah but it's the truth it it makes us look at what we are doing in order to escape what God wants us to do but what things were gained to me those things I count lost for Christ yea doubtless I count all things lost for Christ for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, and that I may know him. Notice, you can't know Jesus till you give it all up. that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I may attend unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I do follow after that if I may apprehend for which also I am apprehended of by Christ Jesus." Brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind me and I'm reaching forward unto those things which are before me. And I press, I press, I put pressure, I focus, I put all that I am, I press toward the mark of the high, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, that if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God will reveal this unto you. And last and it says, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. We don't hear much today about paying the price. We don't hear much today about paying the cost. I, in fact, I had a guy in his office say this to me well I don't think that it's important to fast and things of that nature now he had just had me in for a miracle service God opened up three blind eyes and did all kinds of other things but he sat there and said I don't think you have to fast or anything I said really no it's grace really Well, how's come half the church is filled with demons? Out of control, anger, mad, resentful, jealous, critical, greedy. No, it's not all by grace. We have to apply our faith to the grace that God has given us. Amen? Amen? So look, we have to do certain things to pay the price to get someplace. And you have to die to yourself in order to let Christ live through you. Amen? All right, praise God. Now, when we are molded by God in these times of transition, it is so that we can fulfill the assignment that is a part of God's plan for our life and for the world. Philippians 2.13, 2.13, I quoted it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, when we're being drawn into these places of transition, that's not you. People ask me, how do I know if God wants me to fast? Are you thinking about it? Yeah. Then do it. Why? Because you, you yourself are not going to think about it. I don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I just can't wait to stay away from food today. Does that look like a, are you kidding me? I'll eat a chicken before it's even plucked. I'm telling you. And then Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, when we go into these times of transition, Jesus wasn't in the wilderness by himself. He is in the wilderness by the Holy Ghost. Not only is he meeting with God, he's being tempted of the devil. And that's okay. Jesus knows the outcome. And so it is these times that we cannot allow ourselves to misunderstand what God is doing in our life. Now, let me, well, let's go to... uh, Okay, let's go to Psalms 38. Psalms 38. Hurry up, David. Speed read this for me. Psalms 38. Don't misread what God's doing. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bone because of my sin. Mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and as a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long my loins are filled with loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh i am feeble and sore broken i have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart lord all of my desire is before you and my groaning is not hid from thee my health panneth, my heart paneth i'm sorry my heart panneth, for strength faileth me as for the light of mine eyes it also is gone from me. My love and my friends have stand aloft from my soul and my kinsmen stand afar off. Now, let's go back up about three verses. Up to verse 8, I think it is. Let's go up to the next verse. I'm sorry, 7. My loans and then is it... I'm looking for all of my desire is before thee. What is that verse? Nine? All right, go to nine. Lord, all my desire is before thee. Now, think of what David is feeling. David's perception is that God has done all of this. In one sense, notice that David said, God, your hand Presseth upon me. Why? He's leading and guiding David. David is not under his own labor. And he says, all my desire is before thee. What is David feeling? He's feeling like he knows nothing. Have you ever been to a place that all of a sudden you think everything you ever learned you have forgotten? I mean, I come to those places and I think, what is wrong with me? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. God is pressing me. And he's taking away that which I have known. Why? So that I will begin to search the scriptures. It's kind of like Isaac. When Abraham died, Isaac dug a well philistines filled it up he tried to go back to his father's well the philistine filled it up finally isaac finds a place and he digs his own well sometimes god drives people up and makes us think that everything is horrible everything is horrible my friends don't want anything to do with me nobody's around me I'm so lonely, nobody will hear me. God, I'm, I, God. my soul doesn't even have any inkling, God, to do anything. But God, all of my desires before you, in other words, God, prioritize what I'm doing. I just want you. Take out what you don't want. Everything that I desire, just strip it out. I just want you. I just want you. David feels all of these things. People, sometimes when we are being called into transition, they feel so lonely. They feel forsaken. No matter what is preached, they get nothing. I just get nothing out of church. That's because you're dry. True. You need, your heart wants to pant after the brook like a deer. Why? Why? Because the deer is so parched, it doesn't care about anything else. There is only one line of thought. I must have something to quench my thirst. That's when we're feeling so lonely, so abandoned, when nothing means anything, nothing we hear means anything. No matter what we're reading, it doesn't mean anything. What are we supposed to do? Keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. It's really these things, these times is when the deep is calling unto the deep. See, we always think that God's just going to do what we think he's going to do in our little box. Well, absolutely not. Absolutely not. God's going to begin to deal with you. And he's going to begin to think that life itself is not even worth living without him. Then... Do you come? Matthew 5, 6. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be filled. Who induces hunger and thirst in our life? God. And when God calls us into this hunger and thirsting, they're, they're not places that we, we would choose to go, but when God puts his hand upon us, we see that there are places that are necessary that we go. Could I get an Amen. All right, let's go to Psalms 42. Psalms 42 and verse 1 through 5. Have you ever been reading a scripture and saw what God was talking about? Have you really? Have you ever just been reading a scripture and say, oh, I see that. What is that? Why did you see that? You saw it because... God opened your eyes. He opened your heart to your understanding. But once you see it, now we have to embrace it. And we have to become doers of it. Right? Amen. And if we don't become doers, then we don't transition into what God wants us to do. He wants us to do all scriptures. Deuteronomy 13, 18, I think it is. Do all my commandments. And my commandments and my statutes are my voice to Israel. All right, it says this. And as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat night and day, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? And I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude when I went with them to the house of God, and the voice of joy and of praise, and a multitude that kept the holy day. And why art thou cast down, O my soul? Now notice what David's doing. He's gone. They're rejoicing. It's a holy day. His soul is cast down. He is dried up. Remember, he is dried up. My heart is Panning after water and it says why art thou disquieted me hope thou in God for I shall praise him for the help of his countenance so God causes us to become dry he causes our soul David to become desperate to be as it were emptied of itself in other words void of any praise any thought of any memory of God that's not that you're backsliding it means God's telling you Awake, awake, and find me. Seek me as a deer would find a brook. Seek me, put me in priority. And so what God is telling us, that when he calls us today, don't listen to rhyme or reason. Don't start thinking, well, how am I going to do it? How? Just make a way to do it. It doesn't matter. Because in this time of transition, God is going to take things that you didn't even know that you had in your life out of you. He's going to empty you so that he can fill you. Could it get an amen? He's going to cause you to be dry, hungry. He's going to cause you to think that you're worth nothing, life is worth nothing, because without him, you aren't. So when you know these things, don't misunderstand them. Well, you, you know, I just, you, you'll be easily offended. You'll be easily angered. You'll be easily set off. You'll be easily disrupted. You know, listen, when I fast, don't be around me. I can get sharp. Shut up and get away from me. I didn't mean that, but I did. Honey, do you want water? No, I don't want water. My God, I'm drowning myself. I don't want water. Well, honey, I'm fixing a little meat. Do you want a little piece? No, you don't know I'm fat, you devil. No, but when I'm not fasting and I'm fat and plump, I'm a happy guy. But it seems like fasting can bring things out of me that shouldn't be in there. Yeah, so when God is calling us, he's inviting us. Come here. Let me prepare you. And then let me give you the assignment where I need for you to be. You may be wanting to go to Asia, but I have Macedonia on my heart. God says, let me direct you. Let my hand press you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me make you drive. Let me cause you to dig. Let me feel like everybody's abandoned you, but you know that I am your hope. Let your soul not know what to do. Let it be empty, but know that I will fill you. And then let God transform us, and you will be positioned by God with an assignment right where you need to be. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. So these times of transition, churches go through transitions, people go through transitions, family go through transitions, and even the world goes through transitions. But let's read them and let's read them right. Could I get an amen? Let's do what God wants us to do. Praise God. All righty. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are here before you right now, and God we ask you as a congregation, not our will, but thine be done. God, wherever you have to lead us, wherever you have to bring us, whatever you have to sanctify us from, whatever needs to be cut away, whenever places need to be circumcised, God, prepare us And then speak to us about assignment. God, speak to us clearly. God, we want to be the people that people say, surely these have been with Jesus. God, let the work of transition take place in our life. That it's not I, but it is Christ that liveth. God, lead us put an urgency in us that we need to be filled. Let us begin to worship you in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let us speak into ourselves scriptures and let us remember what you've said to us, what you've declared about us. And God, let us pray in the Holy Ghost and let us get filled again, God, so that God, we can be led by the spirit that there is no resistance to what you would have us do intercessors 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 listen and awaken yourself listen and awaken yourself for it is the hour for intercessors to arrest my ear once again parents waken yourselves cry out for the salvation of your seed let it not rest let it not be dormant cry out cry out and be not silent people of God cry out God renew in me A right spirit put in me God a broken and contrite heart awaken me God to the urgency of the hour let us put on the works of righteousness and shun the works of darkness for the hour for us to shine has never been more necessary than now fill up your lamps with oil trim your wicks Burn bright, saith the Lord. Proclaim the gospel. Share the gospel. Preach the gospel. Live the gospel. For that is the work of your Father. That is the work of your Father. Your assignment. Be like Christ. Be like me. Be like Him. Who forgave. Be like him who ministered to the broken, the hurt, the downcast, the discouraged, the sick and the diseased, the afflicted and the imprisoned, the naked and the hungry. Let them see your good works, that they will glorify me. Lift up your eyes. The fields are white. The fields are white. They are white, they are white, they are white. The fields are white. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.